Welcome to Pastor JT's devotional podcast. Join him and his guests each week as they journey through God's Word together. For more information, check out our website at shuckmemorial.com. We're so glad you're listening. All right, good afternoon. This is Pastor JT, and I'm here with Tristan, one of the youth here in our church, as we continue to do the foundations of reading through the Bible here in a year for teens. And so we're excited to be going through the the Plex. Today we've got a lot of good information, a lot of exciting things to share. We're doing the Plague 6 all the way to 10 today. If you missed last week's podcast, that was the first five plagues, so you'll want to go back and listen to that before you jump into this one, but we are excited. Last week we were talking about the, the Super Bowl. That's hard to believe that, that that's already almost two weeks uh, two weeks ago, but Tristan, how'd you feel about the Super Bowl last? Well, considering it went the way I wanted to go with Brady getting his next ring, I was pretty happy to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's history being made, isn't it? It's it's uh, pretty incredible. I don't know if there will ever be another quarterback to get seven Super Bowls. He's got more than the, the Pittsburgh Steelers only have six, and I think the other team is his old team, the, the New England Patriots, and they only have six now. So Brady, if he was a football team of himself, he would have more Super Bowls than any other team, team in the NFL. So that is that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can get two teams combined next. That's right, and he's one of the, the very few quarterbacks there in the NFL to, to actually be able to, I think Peyton Manning's the only other one that, that actually played for two different teams and won two, two different Super Bowls, and so, except Tom Brady's got a whole lot more than just two Super Bowl wins, Right. so he's probably got a little bit more legacy than uh, old Peyton Manning, and he's still going. I think he might get another one. Who knows? Let's see. I'd love to see it. Yeah, but it was, uh, it was fun to be able to have the Super Bowl. It makes things feel a little bit more normal and... Uh, in a, in a world of constant change and, and all kinds of things going on, but it's uh, it's fun to be here this week. This is actually Ash Wednesday that we're recording this, so that's uh, that's a fun fact for you at home. We do have a, if you're listening to this today, we do have an Ash Wednesday service at church, so welcome to join us or our online stream on our YouTube channel. That'll be there this evening also. But we're gonna go ahead and, and jump into the the plex here, and so Tristan, if you want to read a little bit here about that. Number six, this is the, the boils here, and this is also a play you'll see in the book of Revelation, too. So it's. Right. Uh, well, so here we come to the plague of boils. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take yourself a handful of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it towards the heavens inside of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast through, all throughout the land of Egypt. So here's Exodus 9, uh, verse 8 through 11. Then they took the ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses scattered them towards the heaven, and they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all of the Egyptians. Yeah, it's amazing as, as you read that passage there of Scripture out of Exodus 9, 8 through 11, uh, you know, reminding us how bad this was. And, and you think about it, the Egyptians worshiped several healing deities and, and gods and on occasion even sacrificed human beings to them. Could you, you imagine that? And, and so <laughs> desperate for a healing, they would sacrifice somebody else, which, which meant they didn't get healed, but somebody else would be sacrificed. The victims then were burned on the altar. Their ashes were cast into the air. This almost sounds like a, a horror story, doesn't it, <laughs> yeah. in, in many ways? 
and then wherever the wind would blow the ashes uh, over the people and they would get their their blessing and healing from those ashes and this was viewed as, as their blessing but Moses took ashes from the furnace threw them onto the altar these ashes were scattered instead of being a blessing when they landed on the Egyptian and their cattle it turned into painful boils large sores you know mm-hmm. it's uh it just sounds painful you know sometimes you wear a shoe and it's the wrong size you wear it all day by the time you go home you got that blister on the back yep, of your, your foot and that just hurts and irritates and can you imagine you know boils are probably even worse than blisters but to have that kind of pain throughout your whole body where everything hurts and aches and and you know an animal that doesn't seem so attractive to go out there and eat an animal that has boils all over its body and has been contaminated so what would you imagine there, Tristan, if you walked out and saw this happening? Considering I can barely stand, like, how a mass feels on my ears and nose for a few hours, uh, I would be in complete dismay seeing boils on other any other humans and animals and just be in complete shock. Absolutely. It would. It would just be complete shock and, and chaos, and it'd be like, wow, how in the world is this <laughs> happening? You know, it's Ooh. it's absolutely crazy. And, and so one of the things, too, we talked about the different Egyptian gods, and um, Isbis was one of the gods of healing, and so they would pray and sacrifice, and now um, they're not getting healed, so it seems like their god is, is rendered helpless here, and, and yet they're getting plagues inflicted on them. And, and it's interesting because it's just the opposite. They would They would sacrifice and those ashes then would be burned and, and go among the people and it would give them blessing. Now it's a curse. It's the reverse. They're, they're getting these ashes upon them and it's it's painful boils or, or breaking out all over their skin. Uh, just incruciating painful. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot else that you can really say about this as it begins to, to happen to them. And so as, as we begin to think about that too here, it continues to, to point us to um, the pain, their suffering, their experiencing, and also, too, that this is only the Israelites, as you said, um, that, that we're dealing with, the, or not the Israelites, the Egyptians, Egyptians. Um, only the Egyptians that were dealing with this, and so, and their cattle, their animals, but the Israelites were spared of this, and so God had sent his people to a different location, different place, and they were well secure, and so it does show the, the provision and protection of God, and also the priest who would have presented this uh, ritual and this rite of healing and blessing uh, based on the the god um, Isis would have um, themselves would have been embarrassed that they you know couldn't heal the people couldn't even heal themselves right and so they would have to say they were too cursed and so this would be very fearful for the priests for the people who do you look to when nobody seems like they got answers right and this is only plague number six which means we have another one coming up here uh, today as well, the, the plague of hell. And so we're going to look at that here and, and see what what effects this could do to the, the people here in Egypt. Okay. Yeah, next came the plague of hell. This would have been very unusual as that region w- where this took place only receives about two inches of rain a year. Yeah, but, I mean, when you think about that yeah. fact, that's <laughs> this is unheard of. This is like something that would not happen unless there was, you know, divine intervention that the Lord would send this. Right. Yeah, so we're going to read Exodus 9:22 through 25 here. The Lord's Then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand towards the heaven, that they may be hail in all of the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, on every herb in the field throughout the land of Egypt. 
And Moses stretched out his rod towards the heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Yeah, I mean, just completely destroying just their whole system there. I mean, destroying the herbs, the trees, I mean, everything that protects them. They're just vulnerable at this point. Yes. And they still have these plagues all over their body, so... I mean, yeah. it's just going from painfulness to, to seeing destruction happening. It's not getting any better. And, and, you know, one of the things we want to know is, you know, which Egyptian god or goddess did this plague expose? Because so far within the first six, there's been a god that's been exposed to right. not really be a god at all. as powerless, worthless. And since the plague originated with the sky, uh, the most predominant deity would have been described as, as Nut, which would have been the sky goddess mentioned earlier um, in one of the plagues that was depicted also. And so she was very um, interestingly painted. She was kind of like an arch with uh, the stars like all around her and stuff. And so uh, kind of protecting the, the people from any harm that would come from the skies. Well, right. if this, this hell that was coming down sounded very destructive when you read the scripture, it didn't sound like this goddess was protecting them at all. And so this uh, plague, of course, is another devastating attack on their, their, the country, the Egyptians. They had already lost fish from their, their deity when the Nile turned to blood. That was, you know, remember that? That was terrible to begin with. And right. then the, the plague eventually killed off a lot of their livestock. They lost a lot of animals. And, and now because of this, they're losing some of their, their crops. They're losing other resources that they've had. Any little food they had stored. <laughs> being absolutely destroyed, wiped out. And, and so as we look at this, I mean, and also um, mentioned here, the Egyptians' main source of fiber, linen, clothing, and their fields, all that is just getting kind of wiped out as they lost much of their ability to feed themselves. And now they're losing the ability to make their luxurious uh, clothing items and stuff. Right. So, so it's just their entire structure, way of life, even their material that they would trade to other Country. uh, countries was in jeopardy. And it's like, how, how do you even get back from this? And, right. and at this point, we would all have to think, Okay, Pharaoh, you gotta let the people go. Uh, but I don't think he did. <laughs> it's amazing that he didn't. Most of us at this point would be like, absolutely, come on, Pharaoh, let the people go. They've been through much. You could imagine, I mean, the cries that we would have if we were in Egypt. We'd be like, come on, this is not getting any better. The gods of Egypt aren't helping us. Please, Pharaoh, have mercy, right? You got hail being thrown probably the size of softballs to at least to do that much damage. At least. And there would be nowhere that was safe. I mean, it just right. was going everywhere. You're going through trees. You're going through houses. Yeah. And if you imagine that you're standing outside and one of those come down, I mean, a softball hitting you from 100 feet high, I mean, that's that's not, you're not going to survive that. No. <laughs> So here again, this plague is, is very deadly in itself. And then we jump to the eighth plague. And, and it's kind of like we take a, you think you, you're taking a breather for a second, but this plague doesn't get any better either no. and has its own issues with the, the locusts here. And so if you want to share with us some more scripture. Yeah. So the plague of hail wiped out crops and most plants. But the little that had survived would now be devoured by locusts. So we're going to read Exodus chapter 10, verse 12 through 15 here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come, and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the locusts went up over Egypt 
went up over Egypt, and they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. Huh. Yeah, when you imagine that, I mean, that's not good at all. In fact, there's a, a fact that I have here. It says in, in many historical documents, a list how nations, countries uh, had been destroyed by just locusts. That locusts have the power to destroy a village's food supplies in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? I mean, just minutes. Minutes. Of- How dangerous and deadly as they devoured everything that was green, every single leaf, blade of grass, every type mm-hmm. of vegetation you were growing. I mean, in just minutes, it would all be wiped out, all your work, all, all the things you put into uh, to try it for survival, to for your well-being. And again, you know, as, as we look at these uh, these plagues and stuff, the gods of Egypt, they seem silent. It seems like there's no answers. Uh, you begin to wonder, you know, how, how are they even worshiping these gods when they saw this devastation? Right. And not saying, maybe they're not real. And where was, you know, the jackal-headed um, guardian of the fields, you know, that was Anubis? And so, you know, you imagine that's an interesting image, but you've probably seen that picture around. Oh, yeah a pretty famous Egyptian god, Anubis there. And he's got that jackal on his head, and and he was supposed to be in charge of the fields, and now it seems like he's not in charge of the fields. No. (laughs) So he's held, uh, you know, helpless and and can't do anything, just as many of the other gods of Egypt that we've already seen throughout these plagues. And yet it seems like the only person that is in control is God. And and we see that because the Israelites are are protected. The first several plagues affected them but but now these later half plagues it's kind of like if you're golfing in the first yeah <laughs> you know the first you know what eight eight holes nine holes is the is the front half is yeah, that the correct front, there the front nine yeah the front nine and so you know as the egyptians and the israelites were all out there together on the golf course those first nine holes were bumpy for all of them but when they get to the back half uh, the Egyptians are still getting it pounded on them, but the Israelites have found kind of safety and protection in their God. Yeah. Which it has to make the Egyptians begin to wonder, being like, hey, all this terrible stuff is still happening to us. Are we maybe wrong? <laughs> because the Israelites look like they're safe. They look like they're not getting this stuff. So is their God greater than our God? And and I think most Egyptians would probably have to come to the conclusion and say, yes. I mean, even the right. magicians were having issues because they were... Uh, dealing with in their own problems and, and things. So I think that was a, a resounding yes yeah. there. And then if things weren't worse, um, now there's darkness. And, and we jump into the, the ninth plague. And, and can you imagine, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but just just the immenseness of darkness. Yeah, and then you think of all the locusts that are still left over. I'm, and even during that, the sound, the sound yeah. purely would drive me insane. Yeah. It would, it would. Like, I would lose my mind just by the sound of that. All right, so we're going to move on here to the ninth plague. So, Exodus uh, chapter 10, 21 through 23, we read about the terrifying, terrifying plague of darkness. So, then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hands towards the heavens. And there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another 
nor did any ruin rise from his place for three days. But the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Yeah, and again, we see that the children of Israel had light. And so here in the midst of much darkness, there is light, but that light is not given to the Egyptians. It's only given there to the Israelites. And, you know, imagine this picture for a second. Imagine the entire world as you know it suddenly just going dark and you can't see anything. You can't even see that your hand like in front of you. Like how how would you feel like in just moments where you can't see family members, you can't see anything in your house, you can't see table stools, you can't see anything in the kitchen. I mean, just absolutely the world has just went dark. Yeah, and imagine you wanted a little snack if you even had any food there in the first place after the locust. Imagine how many tables, chairs, walls you just run into. You're causing damage to yourself. And definitely a few people died, I'm sure, of just not being able to get water. Because three days, yeah, the average human can only go three days without water. Yeah, and there's no break in it, as you say. I mean, right. and even imagine like you have to go to the bathroom and you're in, in absolute darkness. I mean, all, all these difficult situations and getting water for survival. And, and people might try to go up to the Nile to get water and they fall in because they can't even see like how far out to go. Because, I mean, it's absolute pitch black darkness. Yeah. No light at all. I mean, it would be terrifying when you think about it. And all that's happened, there's been the, the boils, the hell that they could walk outside and slip on. I mean... Right. You know, there's all these variables that have already happened. And so, and it tells us, yeah, other day and night, there's no break. Three days pass by. And so it kind of foreshadows a little bit there of, of you know, the, the time in which, you know, Christ was crucified. And yet for three days he would lay upon the grave. On the third day he would rise again. And so darkness into light. You kind of see a little foreshadow there, a taste of the Messiah. As, as you look at that symbolic number of the, the third day. But right. this plague of darkness was absolute judgment on Egyptians' uh, religion, their culture. And of all the gods of Egypt, none of them were, were worshipped as much as Ray, the sun god. And in right. fact, Pharaoh was kind of considered to be there in the family tree of, of, with mm-hmm. Ray, that sun god. And so here, one of their greatest gods, he's viewed as the creator, the giver of life. And yet, as you think about those words, the creator, giver of life, there's nothing to which he can do. Um, he can't bring the, the sun mm-hmm. out. And so here, uh, Pharaoh himself, considered to be somewhat of a god, has no power. He can't bring the sun out. It's, it's dark right. for three days. Not a coincidence. It's not like no. the sun's behind a cloud for a couple hours mm-hmm. or it's an overcast day. It's a complete darkness. And so Ray, one of the strongest gods there of Egypt, is held renderless. Pharaoh is held renderless in the darkness. And so here all of Egypt is really just terrified in the midst yeah. of this absence of light. And so very, very dark, dark situation. And you would think at this point the people would definitely, you know, be begging Pharaoh. But but yet right. the Pharaoh is considered to be a god, so the people couldn't really <laughs> demand anything of him. Right. They had to trust within his leadership, but certainly there'd probably have to be some questions about his leadership at yeah. this point. And darkness that could be felt, too. Yeah, yeah. You wonder how that is. You know, you think about it. If you're, like, out at night and you're in the pitch dark, I mean, it's just like you see no light. I mean, it's just like it, it would be like if you're claustrophobic. Yeah. It would be a, your nightmare. You yeah. You think about no. that. Oh, 
Huh. You know, because there's like nowhere around. It'd be no different than being like in a small little cave where you can't move because you can't see anything. I mean, right. I think that plague itself would have to be like terrifying. Yeah, and just make you want to give in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's a that's <laughs> that's a terrible, terrible plague, and a huge challenge that that we see there in the midst of that. And then and then if all that wasn't bad enough, there's one more plague left. And this plague comes here in the midst of the death of the firstborn. And, and this, this plague is, is an absolute ultimate insult to Pharaoh because if we remember the whole story of Moses, we talked about a couple weeks ago that Moses was born during a time in which Pharaoh was killing all the children two and under yeah. and throwing them in the Nile. And all the firstborns were, were, you know, all the children at that point were getting killed, including the firstborns. But here now it's the reverse. The Egyptians... Uh, would lose their firstborns. They'll see how it feels. And they will see how that feels. And so one thing we do know about Pharaoh is he wasn't a firstborn because he doesn't die in this plague. Right. So he, he might, maybe he was, you know, bitter to that or his older brother had already passed and, and he wasn't the first selection to the throne. Who right. knows? Trying to wield his power, uh, trying to get the support of Egypt, but uh, not doing a good job yeah. at it. And so not only does it get... Uh, just human it gets both egyptian human and animal so let's recap here anything that hasn't died to hail to boils or not being able to get water from darkness if it's a firstborn now it's gone too so we're going to come in here we're going to read exodus 11 uh, verses 4 through 6 here the moses sa- sa- uh, then moses said thus says the lord about midnight I will go out into the midst of, midst of Egypt, uh, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals, then there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt such as it was, not like it before, nor shall be like it again. Yeah, I mean, when you hear those words there at the the very end of that verse that you read, that there should be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as, you know, never heard before, never would again. I mean, that's just, when you read that, it's like, that's serious. And you know, at that point, it's going to be a, probably a pretty painful death, not just like gone, but it's like you're, probably will feel like you're going up in flames or some general feeling of that yeah severe severe for sure as you think about that and in those words and and it's like wow i mean this is terrible and and terribly frightening and you're coming out of darkness you haven't seen anybody for three days and the next thing that you're going to see is is dead bodies just all around there's just instantly um dead bodies of, of humans dead bodies of animals and so many times we think about this plague and we think, oh, this is all the firstborn. Like we think of like children when we think of firstborn, right. but this is not, this is any firstborn. And, and, you know, in this plague, I know, you know, Trish, I know you're a firstborn. Like, I am, this plague, yes. You would not, you would survive I wouldn't be this. Alive, no. <laughs> Luckily I'm, you know, I have an older brother, so I yeah. wouldn't be the firstborn. So I would survive this plague. But, but you think about that. I mean, that's just how it was. Um, so, so quick and so fast. All the firstborns. And yet, you know, one of the questions is, why why the firstborn? Well, in Scripture, it tells us that in Exodus 4.22, it says, God considered Israel his own firstborn among the nations. And so, you know, you think about that. Israel was, was 
you know, God's firstborn in, in Egypt, you know, devastated it when, when taking away all the children and stuff earlier on. Moses survives, adopted, raises up to power. Of course, he didn't have a story like Joseph. He didn't make it all the way to power because he had to, he got a little angry, got his temper going and, and yeah. ended up killing a, maybe one or two taskmasters and, and got out of there. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a place he was wanting to go back. No. But, uh, but but he did go back, and, and so the Lord convinced him, took a lot of time, got there. And so God saved his life, not that he would waste it, but that he would use it to, to bring others to know God back in, in that sense of right. salvation. And, and so we think about this, and the ruling elite, you know, even even women, we don't even think about that. We always think of the men that, that died as firstborns, but even the women, and even servants, they weren't spared either. Right. They would have to. And, and we know that for the... You know, we know part of that was that, um, you know, the Israelites were able to survive this because God said, take a lamb and, and sacrifice the lamb, take the blood, put it upon the, the doorposts. And then when the angel of death comes, that it would skip over their house and it would go then to the Egyptians. So God gave them an escape plan. And, you know, that's really the, the same escape plan for us today. We know that sin will destroy us. But yet we also know that through the blood of Jesus the perfect lamb and sacrifice that we have been saved and atoned and forgiven for our sins. Yeah. And so this is kind of foreshadowing yet again of, of what we have here in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so as, as we think about all these, these false gods, they were all judged. They were all held uh, powerless. Uh, none of them could, could help the people. And so in the midst of this, and even Pharaoh himself would be very vulnerable to this last plague, losing his own firstborn, and so temporarily, he, he changes his mind and uh, decides to let the Israelites go. And, and that's where we'll kind of look more into that, that passage of, of Scripture next week. But, um, you know, as we say, he temporarily changed his mind. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that comes at a, at a cost as well. But we do hear some, like, important lessons that we kind of learn from all these plagues that we've spent here little bit of time first off we you know we must realize that god takes sin very seriously and you know as we said today's ash wednesday it's a day in which uh, we're reminded of of lent which is just a fancy way of kind of saying spring and and it's a 40-day period between now and easter can you believe easter's only 40 days away april 4th and that'll be here before we know it and and it's a time of renewal and on ash wednesday remember our our sinfulness our brokenness we put ashes on our forehead mm-hmm. like they did in israel that was a symbol that we have sinned but also a symbol that we've received forgiveness right. and able to to move forward into that journey of, of resurrection sunday and so as the church now we get to experience that right. and they were still waiting for that that sacrificial lamb to come yes. but we do realize that first thing is god takes sin serious and when you look at the egyptians i mean this is this is terrifying. We talk about, you know, at times in the book of Revelation and the tribulation, and, and this really was a, a foretaste of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a little biography about Martin Luther, and in yeah. his biography he says, um, he has this kind of perspective. He says, you know, this world is like the outhouse. Now, he uses some other language, but I won't use it here. But he <laughs> says, you can kind of get the picture. He says, this world is like that compared to the kingdom of God. Right. And he's like, so if he's like, do you want the porta potty or do you want, you know, to be a recipient of the kingdom of God? And, right. and he says the difference is trusting in God and, and taking that sin that we have mm-hmm. so, so very serious. So he throws that, that ideal out there. 
And then, we, you know, number two, we, we hear this God is patient, you know, giving us time to repent, but his patient does have limits. limits. And, and, you know, you think about that. I mean, did he not give warnings to all these <laughs> Israelites and, and the Egyptians as well throughout this time that this would be the consequence? And, and yet they chose to, to do it as well. And so eventually that patience does run out as we see these plagues were delivered. Right. And then what follows is the, the judgment that happens. And they may have the opportunity to repent and, and change. And then we look at this point here that, that many people uh, turn to God in time of calamity and in, in time of disaster. But when things get better almost immediately, sometimes they turn away. They turn away. Isn't, isn't that wild? The, you know, you look at that, their, their hearts are hardened again. And, you know, that's kind of what happens here with Pharaoh in the midst of this story. Pharaoh said, yeah. you know, I can't, I'm not going to take any more. Just take your people, get yeah. out of here. Then he thinks about what he did. And he's like, I gave away half of my work crew. I need them back. Yeah. These plagues were terrible. I lost my son. I'm not going to lose him in vain, so I'll get something out of this. Yeah, and that honestly rolls into point four here. Sometimes God is trying to get our attention. Are we listening? You think about it. Sometimes you have to have the bad to know what's good. If you don't have the bad, there's no differentiating between was this something good that happened to me or like is this loss detrimental or is it good we can reminisce on the times we did have instead of thinking of the future we could have had Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah so very true very true and then we look at this you know the fifth one here god requires obedience uh, not just belief and you know, that's, that's a challenge, too. The Israelites, they were spared from the death of the firstborn and, and God's mercy. They had to trust in God, and, you know, they had to act. And, of course, this would eventually uh, lead them, as we talked about, of putting the blood of the Passover lamb upon their doorpost, being active. You know, it's, it's one thing to just hear God's word, but it's another thing to actually live by God's word and, and uh, be active within our faith. And so, and the Egyptians, uh, likewise, they, they didn't listen to God and, and Pharaoh certainly didn't listen to God and so they suffered the consequence of of the breakdown of, of their own sins and right. going apart from God. Yeah. You and then even there some people think and we're gonna go back to the Egyptians here. They ask, what are your gods? Are they just beings in your head that you've come up with that someone's told you to worship? And to talk to, or are they the living God, our all-powerful God, and is in a complete world that responds? That it might—it's not always in the way you want it to be, nonetheless. But you, you get an answer. It might not be timely, but you get an answer. It might not be what you want it to be, but yet again, there still is an answer. And sometimes you don't have those sit-down, one-to-one conversations like Moses and God did. But he's always by your shoulder, ready to help you in any situation, whether it be teach you a lesson or get you out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so so valuable to, to know that and to have that information and, and that reassurance. And, you know, as you think about all the, all the gods in, in our life, you know, these things... 
and we can make gods our careers, our hobbies, sports, entertainments, but yet those things don't help us when we get into a situation that we truly need saving from. And, uh, so, so important to be reminded of those things. And then we jump to this last and, and final point. Our, our all-powerful God is completely in control. And right. kind of going here with what Tristan was saying, you know, who, who is the one that absolutely has control? Um, the Egyptian gods we saw were rendered powerless time and time again. And we see throughout the plagues, the people of Egypt had no answers. The magicians, you know, they could turn a, a stick into a snake in the beginning and compete with Moses, but... They very quickly were, were outplayed and right. could not compete with what was going on. Um, they took great hope in their gods and in their luxury and in their homes and in their economy. And when all that was stripped away, they didn't have they a lot nothing. to. Yeah, they didn't have much to hold on to at all. And uh, we look at God; nothing's out of His control. He's begun a good work in us, and and will continue that work in us so long as. Uh, and you know that's coming out of Philippians one six as long one six here. As long as we are receptive and open to Him, allow Him to continue to, to see that work in our life. Right. And so, you know, we can't allow anything to come between us and, and God. And so that's, you know, one of the great reminders here as, as we've journeyed through uh, looking at these plagues. And so these plagues have definitely been eye-opening. And, you know, as we've read through this, I've enjoyed, you know, getting to, uh, you know, understand the the perspective of these gods again i remember when i was in seminary i had peter inns as, as my professor and he had written uh, the niv application commentary on on genesis which is a great resource if you want to uh, jump into to genesis he also has um, some writings on the exodus and so uh you know there's so many great commentaries out there to study but this is this is great stuff and i appreciate tristan here um, letting me dig into these plagues and extend our time together yeah. a little bit more and, and just uh, really in, enjoying this opportunity. And next week we're going to get back into Exodus. And so, uh, you know, we hope that you're able to, to join us here as we continue our, our study. If you're reading along with us here, uh, we're going to be jumping here into, let me see, I think I told Tristan we'll be starting in... Page 3435. 3435. And so that's Exodus 13 starting with verse 17 and going all the way to Exodus 20. So you can read those couple chapters there, 13 all the way to 20. And that's what we're going to be discussing when we come back here next week for the podcast. But we hope everybody has a great weekend. Hopefully, uh, if you're snowed in, this will be a great podcast to listen, listen to. to. So and if you're, not caught up, if you're not caught up, come wrap, wrap around. We'll pitch you right in. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you have a wonderful day, and, and we look forward to being back with you next week. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for our time together. We thank you, Lord, for everybody, and pray for everybody that's listening to this, that you be with them. And Lord, we, we just thank you that, that you remind us that you are full of, of love, compassion, mercy, and grace. And Father, we just pray that you uh, continue to guide us and lead us this day. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.